The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. And sponsored by March Communications, connecting innovation and people. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. We're here in Hong Kong with a man who needs no introduction in the PR industry, Richard Edelman. Richard, thanks for being with us. Good to be in Hong Kong. Um, we don't have a huge amount of time because, as always, you have a very busy schedule. So I really wanted to start this by asking you about industry growth. Last year looked like a very tough year um, for many of the big agencies. Within that context, Edelman actually seemed to do better than most growing 2.1%, but I'm assuming you're not happy with that. No, 2.1 is not the new normal. Uh -uh. Mm -hmm. We're going to do better than that. Okay. Why do you think the industry struggled so much last year, given that economic indicators in general looked quite good? Well, um, there was uh, pressure on consumer products clients. Um, the um, old uh, formula of automatic growth in uh, developing markets didn't happen. Um, and. Um, corporate communications budgets were under pressure uh, as part of an effort by companies to uh, constrain costs. Mm. How do you see a path back to you know, the kind of 10% growth that characterized Edelman's emergence as the biggest public relations agency in the world? So it's, it's multiple. Um, we have to uh, do better in the newer areas for agencies, digital, uh, consulting, um, also, uh, I, I believe deeply in the emerging market uh, companies uh, coming out and becoming big spenders in PR. Uh, and lastly, I, I see um, us being invaluable in the evolution of companies um, in, in what they do, not just what they say. So that um, if we're in the evolution business, um, it's beyond purpose actually to mm -hmm. change the business line. Mm. Now, Edelman, of course, has been experiencing quite a profound transformation um, by design. You've hired something like 600 creators and planners as you try to change the agency so that it can contend for marketing budgets. Is that, is that a correct way to characterize it? Yes, it, it is to contend for marketing budgets, but it's also to contend at a higher level in the uh, C-suite, mm -hmm. advising CCOs and, 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 and CEOs. Mm. So, um, I, you know, that we've handled seven or eight of the most important crises um, is partly a function of our ability in digital, our ability in the C-suite, that we can bring uh, paid um, abilities. So, you know, we're really a different kind of uh, complement to the CCO. Mm, okay. Now, that kind of change is hard, mm. right? Um, it's been, I think, five years since you embarked on this journey. Do you think that transformation has had any impact on the top line growth? I.e., do you think perhaps it slowed your kind of the, the double digit expansion that we saw in previous years? I think companies hiring Edelman are sure of our ability to deliver and increasingly our own people are too um, and um, the, the work product has evolved um, and it's not simply a matter of titaniums at can though it was nice to win that with REI mm -hmm. um, it is a matter of persuading clients that we are the right size mm -hmm. that we are um, fit for purpose 
um, and that they can use us across multiple business lines, mm -hmm. um, from from marketing to position, corporate positioning to um, employee engagement. Mm. How long do you think this transformation will take? It'll probably take us another good five years um, mm. to fully transform ourselves into the communications marketing firm of the future. Mm. Um, and I think that you know this mosh pit of ad agencies, digital firms, PR firms is all um, still in play. And we, we intend to compete vigorously. Mm. Um, and it's, it's great to be a private family-owned business to make this transformation mm. because we can make these kinds of investments in talent. And I would encourage anybody who wants to join the pirate ship to uh, think about it because you know we, we really are trying to uh, evolve an industry. Mm. Now, one of the big stories, of course, recently is that the merger of, of Burson Marstella uh, with Conan Wolf creates a $700 million agency. How important is scale, do you think? Because it looks to us like the firms that are doing well, or at least that are growing really well, are often in that kind of mid-size category. Well, um, I would say that uh, Edelman and Weber Shanwick um, have global scale, and it's helped us, in both cases, transform. Mm -hmm. um, and I give Donna Imperato um, a lot of credit for her ambition and her uh, drive. And th this is a force to be reckoned with. Mm. Um, you know, she has to merge the cultures and, and, and merge the work um, place, but I, I, I believe in her ability. Mm. Um, and they'll be formidable. Okay. And for a firm like yours though, how do you feel like scale is still a competitive advantage? Scale absolutely matters for us. We can right away turn on you know, 28 countries, we can do um, a full dimension of, uh, of, of, of services and, um, and do it at a, at a quality and at a price that um, is important. Mm. Uh, so we've built to scale, but we also deeply want to compete at a local market bis uh, mm. basis. We are not interested in just being um, a uh, global firm. Mm. We are global and local, deeply local. Mm. Excellent in Italy, for example. Excellent in Korea at the top class uh, of any firm. Mm. You've brought in some quite senior figures from the advertising industry yeah. um, and you've put them into senior roles at Edelman. How has that worked out? Because you know, the, I guess the risk is that if you bring people in who haven't had experience running a PR agency, maybe it alienates people within the firm. You see, I think both um, Carol Potter and Jesse Lynn bring us deep knowledge of markets. Mm -hmm. um, understanding of evolution and transformation. Jesse actually um, transformed McCann in China from a classic ad agency into one that had digital as 35 or 40 percent of its business. And so that kind of uh, growth uh, for, for PR agencies only going to come by, by having talent that has done transformation. Mm -hmm. And so we want to have a future um, of, of leadership at Edelman that is deeply mixed in mm -hmm. terms of its its talents and its abilities and and uh, and ambitious in its um, in its goal. Mm. Okay. And lastly, Richard, you've been quite vocal about the issue of um, PR industry ethics following the Bell Pottinger saga. How badly do you think that impacted the PR industry? The uh, that incident was a wake up call, mm. and it was an important uh, moment 
in which the PRCA in London stood up and said, that's intolerable, that cannot stand, that firm is a disgrace. Mm -hmm. And that was brave and important for the rest of us and a sign that uh, we can't take every client. Um, this is not a law business. Um, it, is, it is a business that requires the public trust. Mm -hmm. And so it is a privilege in a way to, to have this position um, and to be an enabler of media, but also the idea that you can go direct to end user of information places a special responsibility on people practicing PR mm -hmm. um, to be sure that the facts are correct and that uh, you, you make sure that the clients are telling you the truth. Mm -hmm. um, all of this is new for us, um, but it's a responsibility that I welcome for the industry. Okay. Well, Richard, thank you so much for your time. And, and it's always good to see you in Hong Kong. Indeed, and have, have, a, have a great weekend here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And joining me on the line from London, a long-time friend of the Echo Chamber, it is Sally Costerton. Sally, welcome to the show. Thank you, Arun. It's very nice to be back. It's been a while, um, and we scheduled this a few weeks ago with perfect timing because it's a very slow news week and not much is happening. I guess. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't know what. Maybe, having read your most recent LinkedIn post, I wanted to ask you, so what is the profit margin in your Estonian H&K office <laughs> from 2009? <laughs> and we, we've, we've probably lost our listeners now completely. Well, yes. Well, it was in the spirit of honesty. Um, not very much was the short answer at the time. Mm. Um, I'm sure they're doing very well these days. Um, excellent team of people uh, <laughs> whom I, who I thought were wonderful, but it was our smallest office and it was struggling. And mm. yes, those were, those were difficult times after the crash, no question. Yeah, and, and so the context around that, of course, is, is like many this week, you were sharing your, your personal recollections of working for Sir Martin Sorrell, who, of course has stepped down as CEO of WPP. And you mentioned um, the, the sort of the, the fabled quarterly financial meetings um, mm. that would take place with, with Sir Martin and his financial henchmen. Um, mm. And you said that for, this was right after the, 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 the financial crash of 2009. And you said that for some reason you were fixating um, ahead of this meeting, you were fixating on... On, on whether he would ask you about your smallest office in Estonia, which I thought was was rather amusing, and he, he didn't in the end. But I thought it was very interesting because of the, of course those those financial meetings were were the stuff of legend. I mean, how how terrifying yes. were they for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it it that meeting was, I would think, somewhere around eight years ago. Mm. And I, as I was writing that post, I I could remember it like it was yesterday. And it is to, to date, and I hope remains, the scariest business meeting I've ever had wow. preparing for that, for that meeting. And yes, the reason the Estonian, I was worried about Estonia was not because Estonia was particularly bad, but because it was Martin's ability to know your numbers better than you did. Mm. It was quite terrifying. And so it was actually quite reasonable, odd though it may sound, to, to plan for the fact that he would ask you this just to show that he could. Mm. Right. And that was why I was obsessed with it. Now, yeah. in the end, he didn't. But, but we all knew that. This, this, and and uh, Rod Banner said on one of the LinkedIn posts, I don't know if you've seen it, but he said he had a brain like Hal 9000 or has one. We shouldn't talk yeah. about the man like he's not still alive. Right. And, and 
that is one of the most extraordinary phenomena. And I've seen it. Many of us have seen it. Many people talk about it. But when you witness it up front and there is nothing like it, Mm. and I'm not saying it's necessarily a good thing or a pleasant thing, but we took that very seriously. You know, we all believed that he knew our numbers better than we did, or at least that was the the working assumption if you were running an organisation, or certainly as well as you did, which Mm. is quite extraordinary when you think about the size of WPP. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Rod Banner. There seems to emerge this week a kind of cottage industry in in, in uh, memoirs of working for Martin Sorrell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or, apologies for that. No. Actually, it's very interesting because people, a lot of this stuff people were unwilling to share while he was still in power um, because, you know, he was a, a very powerful person. You, you've just talked about the microscopic detail um, he held over, it seemed, every kind of operation within WPP. It's, it's bewildering to imagine he could cram so much into his brain, and yet he did. Mm. And surely whoever WPP finds to replace him will be a different kind of leader. Well, yes. I mean, I think that that is the, the central question. I mean, it, it's, I found it very interesting reading the different kinds of analysis. It's been a very good piece I read last night in the New York Times, mm. um, The Guardian of Britain. There's been all sorts of really good journalism. Danny's obviously written a piece in PR. We, you've written about it, mm. as well as those of us who, who, who worked in WP and people who didn't work, like David Brain's just written a piece as well from a sort of competitive perspective. And yeah. gathering all those together, it, it makes me think even more than I did before, what are they going to do next? Right. Because it's it seems to me, I mean, literally, we obviously know what they're going to do. They're going to, you know, they've done it. They're putting Andrew and, and, and Mark in as joint COOs and they are um, now going to look for a CEO, which may or may not be an internal candidate, um, which is exactly what I would expect. Mm. Um, and, you know, that is the sort of Martin Foyle under a bus scenario, I think one journalist called it. Yeah. Um, the, the, the um, you know, both very experienced, worked for Martin for a very long time. These guys really know how WPP works, which is the biggest challenge. Mm. Because it's not just Martin's personal capacity to retain data. I, I mean, I don't imagine they will find somebody else who could do that. Maybe they don't need to. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a you good know, thing. I don't if, think, maybe it's a good maybe thing. Maybe it's a good thing. If they yeah, don't, I mean, that right? was just a characteristic. I'm not sure that's, a, that's going to be on the job description. Mm. But, I, but I think what is, is, a more, is a much more challenging question is, is it seems to me then, and it, even more now reading everybody's perspectives, is the unique structure of ICANN, uh, ICAN, Freudian slip there, of, <laughs> of uh, WPP, Yep. is um, the, the combination of stick and carrot. Mm. And it, everybody writes about the sort of the stick side. You know, mm. the, they bought creative agencies, they ran them like, you know, with what were ran by accountants, you know, these sorts of criticisms, which has come up quite a lot. Um, but what you have in WPP is an incredible stable of talent, mm. um, probably unrivaled, certainly world-class, and those people, especially the ones that run the big agencies, um, you know, have sold their businesses but remain very powerful inside those businesses. Mm. And Martin managed to get them to do what he wanted. Mm. And that, I think, is going to be extremely difficult for the next CEO with the model as it currently exists because it requires that. Mm. You have to both be able to live your brand, trade successfully, compete in the open market, and deliver the WPP margins. That has always been the deal. 
Mm. It doesn't matter who you are, how important you are, how much you got paid for your agency when you sold it. It doesn't matter. Once you're past the owner, everybody's in the same boat. Right. And you're required to hit hit the same kinds of targets. And keeping all those, you know, powerful people and egos managed and performing, to me, now looks even more like a gravity-defying exercise when one thinks of somebody else trying to do it. Mm. Martin made that look easy, mm. but I really don't think it is. But why do you think this isn't the case at other holding companies? Um, they don't have this kind of sorrel centricity and mm. they don't appear to need it. Well, that's an excellent question. It may be that, you know, it's it's past, you know, it, it's not necessary. It's mm. just illusory. And that actually the systems and processes are so ingrained that two WPP veterans with, you know, a very significant skill set, you know, Mark and, Mark and Andrew, yeah. will run the machine and the machine will run well and all the, you know, big cats will, will stay and, and, and do what, the, you know, do what they've always done. And that is really how the other holding companies typically work yeah. um, because they've all been, to a greater or lesser extent, you know, modelled in a, a similar way, um, or at least the, the, the public listed ones have. So I, I think that, you know, that may well prove to be the case, mm -hmm. in which case, you know, one feels optimistic for the WPP shareholders. Which, which, which that, we should say includes you, of course. you are. Which does include me on, an, on a micro scale, just to be very <laughs> clear. <laughs> I don't think they're worrying too much about what I'm going to be doing with my shares. But, but yeah, no, it does. And, and the fact that I've held on to my WPP shares as, as long as I have is, albeit in a very modest sense, is because I, you know, I, I, believe in the, I still believe in the brand. I don't have to work there. I mean, Martin, mm. of course, is famously a, a major shareholder. Mm -hmm. And clearly intends to, or at least for the time being, clearly intends to continue to be one. Yeah, although he as has far no as one non can determine. Although he has no non-compete. It's interesting. Isn't to that know. interesting? Yeah. I did not know that. Now mm. I don't know whether it was known or not known. It may be that it never occurred to anybody to ask because it never occurred to anybody that it would, he would leave. Well, because he tells everybody he wouldn't leave. It's like the su the succession planning issue as well. I think that was brushed under the the rug if you like for so many years because I think there was this idea that Martin would never leave and if he were, mm. were to leave it would be on his terms and of course that ultimately that seems to have been one of the issues that um, perhaps uh, has triggered his his kind of professional demise at WPP we don't know of course I mean this is there's so many things here to to, to look at um, mm. So let me just come back a little bit to the whole issue of, of, of Sir Martin's exit. Because over mm. the last, I think, so, you know, the initial coverage was, was one of, I think, you know, shock. It was a, it was a, a classic Saturday night uh, departure. Mm. Those of us familiar with public relations like you will know exactly <laughs> what oh, that, yes. that timing means. And, and perhaps you can explain that to our listeners. Well, historically, I mean, whether this is still true, you'd be a better judge than me. But the Saturday night was to avoid the Sunday newspaper deadlines. Mm, right. I mean, this was a famous mechanism. If you had a controversial or, 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 or the sort of story that you knew, the Sundays with the long read, the anal analytic, the analytical style of copy, the broadsheets would want to report on. The last thing you would do is give them an opportunity to do that. Mm. If you could buy yourself a week. Um, away from that kind of analysis. Now, I'm not sure how relevant that is these days, because actually what we saw was the news breaking, I think, 
I saw it first on Sky. I don't know if Sky did actually break the story, but no, Bloomberg, um, Bloomberg broke. Bloomberg it. broke the story. Mm. Okay, but it was it was of course instant. Mm. And, you know, we, we, we all have access to platforms that allow us to, to share opinions, whether we're journalists or whether we're not these days. So mm-hmm. what will be interesting is this week's Sundays, because they will now have to deal with a yeah. story that might have gone a bit cold, depending on what happens between now and now. Yeah, but I don't think... Saturday morning? I'm not sure it's going to work out that well in the sense that it will tamp down the coverage. If anything, I think it makes them look for angles... That maybe they yeah. wouldn't have looked for if they had I less time right. on a Saturday. And already we're starting to see a lot of people. There was an excellent article in the, in the Times yesterday, which really questioned the manner of Sir Martin's exit. You know, asked some very tough questions mm. about, OK, well, mm. if it wasn't such a big issue, this internal probe, then why didn't he fight it? Given what we know of Sir Martin, he fought, he fights or has fought many things, including, of course, that famous legal case in Italy, which was not—we uh, yes. <laughs> we remember that well. It was not—we do—was not particularly good for for, for his reputation, um, nor nor um, some other people within the Group M empire. Um, so you think, okay, if it wasn't material, why didn't he fight it? Perhaps there is more to it than seems the case. And if that is so, then how come WPP uh, isn't being more transparent about it? And I suspect those calls will mm. will likely increase and perhaps will crescendo in with, with this Sunday's newspapers. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Definitely think you're right about looking for angles. And that seems to be the big one that hasn't been resolved. And obviously you saw Vince Cable, slightly mm. bizarrely, um, anyway, coming out yesterday. Um, but fine. Um, and yes, I, I, I know the Times article you're referring to. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is a... I mean, a very interesting question about transparency and who has the right to know what. Mm. Well, because that, the way Cable was presenting it was, look, we just have the right to know. Effectively, yeah. was what he was saying. We just do. Mm. And, of course, the WP board were effectively saying, well, I mean, they weren't responding, but, well, actually, you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done what we said we were going to do and we're not going to share it with you. And I'm, I presume, and it is a presumption, that that the 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 no talk aspect of it was part of the the exit deal. Oh, I mean, of it course. would be odd if it wasn't. Let's I put mean, it that way. I think that's clear. So, yeah, I think that's it's a reasonably safe assumption. So mm. the question is, who wants who wants the no talk? Mm. Both sides want the no talk. Is it is is what the Times was sort of hinting at yesterday was was in fact this activity whatever it might have been and we still don't know. You know, mm-hmm. actually something that Martin perhaps might not have wanted to discuss. And of course, we're all guessing. Mm. I, 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 I think the thing that I thought at the time, and I may turn out to be completely naive about this, is when it first broke, I, you know, this man was more famous for how much money he earned mm-hmm. than almost anything else. And even people who didn't really know what WPP did or, 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 or you know, anything much about it knew he was the highest paid UK CEO. I mean, yeah. it was just the moniker that was being used for him for the last few years. In the same way, for a long time, Bill Gates was famously, you know, the richest man in the world. And so it seems to me quite extraordinary that somebody who is so privately and personally wealthy mm-hmm. would get them and who has been in business for so long and who doesn't own the company and hasn't ever, I think, been a majority shareholder of WP or certainly not since the very earliest days. Would would be cavalier in that way. I mean, it just doesn't stack up to me. Now, I might, no. of course, I might turn out to be quite wrong, but it just seems so unlikely. Um, yeah. 
you know, this is a man who presumably could afford his own private jet if he wanted one. I mean, I don't know. But he's a wealthy man by anybody's standards. Yeah. And and it just seems a very bizarre thing for somebody like Martin to, to get themselves caught up in, which doesn't mean there hasn't been doesn't mean there hasn't been something. But I agree. I think yeah. the lack of resolution and clarity about it isn't going to go away. I do agree with you about that. Yeah, I think it, it, it will increase. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, we're in the realm of speculation here, so we have to be... Yes, of course. Yes. ...a little bit or careful. Or any lawyers listening. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Martin... Plenty of WPP lawyers, as we all I'm know, sure. and they're very scary and right. good. Yeah, and I think Martin himself has, has retained two law firms. Yes. And, and Martin is not averse to a little bit of litigation. No, as, as that we is have, very true. As we, as we know. But... <laughs> It was interesting that when the investigation was announced, there were two things mentioned. One was this sort of um, financial issue, and another was personal misconduct. Now, I don't, I don't know if those are the same things, but when mm. the his exit was was mentioned, only only the only refer, reference made to the investigation was to say it involved amounts not material. Mm. Uh, mm. But there was no reference to the personal misconduct, so I don't know if yeah, if, it's if, interesting uh, point different things or. Um, well, I don't know. Somebody picked up on the point about the material issue. I can't remember who it was. It was one of the media commentators mm -hmm. yeah. um, that I was reading who said, well, doesn't that depend? Yeah. You know, that's a very subjective comment. Yeah. In other words, you know, I, uh, WP is worth, I can't remember, but billions anyway. It's, mm. it's, it's capitalization is in the billions. And so is a, a not material around, how much are we talking about? Yeah. You know, yeah. is my not material your fortune? Is Are we talking, I think the journalist said something like, are we talking $5,000 or a million dollars? Yeah. Because whilst it might not be material from a reporting standpoint, it might, in absolute terms, seem like a lot of money to, you know, your average person. Yeah. And again, that pure speculation that was a journalist making that point, but picking up on that, pulling at that thread. Mm. Um, and that's the sort of thing I think the Sundays will do is actually go after those sorts of things and say, well, what are we really talking about here? Yeah. And whether or not WPP will come under pressure to reveal what's happened. And that will be down to their legal teams. It'll leak, won't it? Well, to be honest with you, Arun, I, I kind of thought it might have done that by now if it was going to. Mm. But I could be, you know, common sense would suggest it will leak because these right. things usually do eventually, don't they? Of course. Um, but I would bet there are some extremely good lawyers on both mm. sides of this who are tying this up with extraordinary yeah. efficacy. So it's yeah. possible that it won't leak. It's possible. I mean, one thing that's been clear is that very few people know exactly what happened. Yeah, um, Because I agree. otherwise it would have leaked by now. I agree. And, you know, they, they've yeah. kept a very tight lid on it. Um, but, you know, as the days go by, uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the chances of someone saying something to... To someone else somewhere. <laughs> yeah, which is what we all rely Especially on. Especially if the story is, 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 if the story doesn't die down. If right. it does die down, I think it will stay in a sealed box. If yeah. it doesn't die down, you know, people will just keep coming back to it and trying to, you know, and yeah, it only takes one person, yep. uh, one casual conversation, and in our viral world that we live in, bingo. And let's not forget, there is an agenda here. I mean, it was leaked in the first place. To the Wall Street yes, Journal. Yes, there, there was a whistleblower, wasn't there? Right. I think they used the term. I think that's correct, isn't it? Well, there was a whistleblower internally at WPP. That's right. I'm not sure the whistleblower leaked it to the media in the first place. No, you're, place. you're right. I that's think, how the thing blew up in the first right. place. It was a whistleblower, wasn't it? But I it? think yeah. it was leaked. So it was obviously leaked to the, to the Wall Street Journal by someone who knew about it, which suggests, doesn't, of course, confirm, but it suggests someone who, who, who's you know, aware of the investigation. 
Now, there are many people who, 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 who've put forth the idea that if this had happened 12 months ago or 24 months ago, uh, it would not have had the same result. So Martin Sorrell would still be in place. And mm. in fact, the reason he's gone is because, as I think you're probably aware, and as I think many people are aware, it seems like there's been a divide growing between um, Sir Martin on the one hand and the board on the other, whether it's questions around his remuneration or his succession, and of course, um, the company's performance over the last mm. 15 months mm. or so. I mean, what do you think of, of, of that theory? Yeah, well, certainly the, the, the question of the succession has been public for years. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the questions of being asked from non-executive directors, I mean, you would know better than me, but I mean, it goes back certainly to when I was at, uh, at Hill and At least eight years, I think, people oh, have been yeah. asking. At least. Yeah. Uh, seriously asking. Major shareholders saying, we need to know what the succession plan is. Who is going to take over from Martin? And I, I can't remember who it was, but I, I, I do recall not the current uh, chair, but somebody previously, maybe previous chair or maybe previous director saying, it, you know, it feels like this is the only conversation that people want to have, you know, about, about WP. So that's been around for a long time. So I think it's been very public, very known that the absence of a clear succession strategy was a problem yeah. for for the board, for the chair, for, you know, the sort of governing, governing structure and had been for a long time. So I don't think that's new. Mm. And I suppose every year that passes... Every interview that Martin gave saying, I think he, I was, saw something on LinkedIn saying he'd said, they'll have to shoot me. And then another one, they'll say, you'll have to carry me out in a box. Or, I mean, these mm. are Martin's own words. Yeah. So, you know, you can see that that one might have seen that that, certainly from the outside, there was no obvious progress in naming mm. successes. Now, there might have been behind the scenes, but one couldn't see that from the outside. So mm. that's one issue which has certainly not gone away and maybe has intensified as time has gone on, Martin has got older and the question becomes more pressing for, mm -hmm. for the, the new chairman who's going, well, look, I've got to, you know, I've got to be responsible for finding some answer to this question. Yeah. The, 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 the question about um, the performance, mm. to me, and just call me an old cynic, plenty of people do, I think is, is, is what's really going on here, right. as in why now? which is yeah. really your question. Yeah. Not why, but why now? Correct. And I think it's, I think it's got to be that that is the point at which the and you can see it from the commentary that shareholders made before, during and after this, you know, they are obviously feeling immensely frustrated with the fact that the share price is broadly, I think it's almost halved in the last 18 months. Yeah. Which is which is really rough, you know, now the sector's having a rough time. And you know that much more about that than I do. Um, and so uh, what I don't know, and I'm sure you do, is it precisely how um, WP is tracking on the sector. I think one of the problems with that is that it used to be said, and I don't know if you, you would still say this, but WP was the benchmark stock in the sector. Mm. And, and it's often been viewed that way, fairly mm. or unfairly. Um, so in a way, I mean, I'm not sure how useful it is to compare it to the sector, if that makes sense. But, mm -hmm. but th 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 there is a, because I think it's a lead, sort of lead indicator, or it's always been viewed that way. Um, but it's a, pretty, it's a pretty tough fall in the share price if you're, if you're an investor. Yeah. There's no question about that. Mm. And, and there was no obvious evidence that, well, the only thing that, that seemed to have moved um, and I have no idea whether this was in response to the share price falling or whether they just felt it was the right thing to do, 
was the merger between Cohn and Wolf and Burson's. That's the first major shift, strategic shift, certainly on the public relations side, that mm. had happened in a very long time. Mm. And you know, must be driven by cost cutting, one assumes. I can't think why else you would do it. I mean, I don't mean that to be, I mean, I'm not saying that's the only reason. I think there are probably a lot of reasons why you might put those two networks together. Mm. And Donna is a force of nature, in, in my experience of her, which is limited, but, you know, immensely impressive, impressive person. And she was, and Martin's absolute, you know, for very many years, even before I left Ellen Elton, Donna was very much seen as the sort of, you know, rising star. And mm. very close to Martin. She didn't have so to I'm worry not at about, all surprised. She didn't have to worry about the Estonian office, I think. Well, there was that, that was, too. That was... she, yeah, she would have said that, you know, and then, you know, how different could life have been? No, she, she's she's a remarkable woman. And, um, mm. you know, Conan Wolf is an incredible success story under her leadership. So I think that um, that is a very interesting play. So, no, cost cutting is not going to be the only reason. I'm sure there are good strategic benefits to be gained. Lots of challenges. Emerging mm. two big networks is always going to be very tricky. Um, but, um, you know, I feel for them now. She went into to print, I think, with, with you guys, yeah. saying something like, you know, he'd held us in his hands yeah. for so long. And his strong and capable hands, which I thought was a very interesting sentence, um, mm. you know, sort of what will we do now kind of thing, which I thought coming from Donna was really a powerful statement. She's a very you know, confident, successful woman. Yeah. So... You know, I think that that is um, this. You you've got to think that the 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 the, the, the and it was not just the share price itself, but also the forecast. Mm. Yeah. He wasn't giving the shareholders an awful lot of hope that things were going to suddenly get better. No, no. So that kind of helps us understand why now, uh, mm. if not why. Um, mm. Now, what happens next? Because of course, the other big story I think that people are looking at. Um, aside from the, the sort of trying to figure out why exactly he left. Um, the other thing is whether WPP will be broken up, mm. um, whether it will be acquired outright. I mean, there was, there was an analyst note, I think it was on Monday, suggesting that you know the research businesses are the best bet for a, for a quick acquisition. And then after that, actually, it's the PR businesses. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if you saw, I that. saw that. Yeah, I did, yeah. I mean, the one thing that struck me about that was they had the PR business, businesses that had the, the margin for them at only 8%, which surprised me because I always thought it was more... I think the last time we reported the PR margin, it was around 14 to 15%, unless they're talking about margin on total revenue and not on fee income. And you'd probably know that better than me. Well, certainly the WV, as, you, as I'm sure you know, the, the WV targets were always 15%. I mean, that was yeah. the holy grail. Correct, yeah. Um, uh, but it, certainly during the time I was there, in the latter years during the recession, those were very difficult targets to achieve. Mm. Um, so certainly the PR companies have historically achieved those kinds of sort of low teenage multiples in terms of margin. Whether they're still doing it, I'm not sure. Mm. Um and I think those are immensely difficult margins to hit on the scale of operations that you're talking about. Um, yeah. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before in this in the echo chamber. Yeah. You know, I think this is one of the problems with the holding company model is it demands kind of margins that, that are just simply not reflected in reality in the, from the clients, from what clients actually want to pay for. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I did see the, the piece about um, the PR agencies. I don't know, Arun. I mean, you know, you sort of think about, well, okay, 
could you sell all the PR agencies together? Well, why would you? Why would you, right? They, they, don't, they don't really exist as a thing in their own right. They might do from a reporting standpoint, but they, they compete with each other. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only reason I think someone would buy them together is if you're, a, let's say, a private equity investor. Yeah. And you think, you look at those margins and you think, well, I can, I can double them. Yeah. And then I can sell this in, in X years. Um, now, I'm not sure you can double them because I don't think exactly. there's, there's a lot of excess cost floating around yeah. WPPPR firms. So you kind of have to deliver growth if you're mm. going to improve those margins. And that's very difficult, especially given the, the scale of some of those agencies. Um, yeah. I could see maybe a blue focus buying it just as a kind of, OK, this is our best option to reach that kind mm. of scale. But I think they're probably a little leery after their Huntsworth experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, good point. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, it, it, it seems... it's, a, it's a tough one to see exactly how you would. It's not so much how might one parcel it up to sell it. It's more like who would buy it and what would they do with it? You know, why would they buy it? And right, look, I think, don't get me wrong, uh, it, you, you, the, the likelihood of WP being broken up in some way or at least changed from its current configuration without Martin and the helm has to have gone up. Mm. I mean, it has to have gone up. Yeah. Martin protected it jealously. Um, I always thought when I was there that he had a sort of romantic attachment, particularly to the sort of Madison Avenue brands, um, mm-hmm. which included Helen Nelson, because, of course, it came in with, a, with a, very early on, came in with the JWT purchase, which was so hard fought for and was mm. his first really big, um, big step forward uh, yeah. when WP was in its early days. and. Uh, so I, I think, and despite the, the famous spat with David Ogilvie, and I, mean, I think he had an enormous amount of, um, they, you know, they became very close and, 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 and personally as well as, as professionally. And I think those brands mattered enormously to Martin personally. Yeah. So I'm sure he wouldn't have, have, have overseen any kind of breakup. I mean, I find that hard to see, hard to believe. Mm. So the question is, you know, to me is a strategic question for the WPP board is what is your strategy for delivering shareholder growth? Well, this is a question for all holding companies, yeah. I think. And, you know, this... Yeah. I mean, they need to have a strategy or right. they need to, they either need to pursue the strategy they currently have, in which case breaking it up is very difficult. I mean, if you're reading Scott, how do you decide, Yeah. you know, which one of the children you're going to sell and who's going to buy them? And that's a very hard thing to do, particularly as inside. It's not impossible, but it's hard. Yeah. I mean, Andrew is particularly experienced with the, that side of the business. So, you know, who knows? He might have a, he might have a grand plan. Um, but the the business as usual is more con- conventional when you have this kind of internal succession plan. Right. But business as usual means you've got to, the numbers have got to get better. Mm. And as you say, that is to me the existential question: is how is that going to happen? Mm. Yes. Because so, I don't think there's lots of fat. There isn't lots of fat. No, there isn't. I can tell you from having worked there, they don't do fat. No. I mean, I think it does. It raises a lot of questions about the holding company model in general. Yeah. And, and these questions, I guess, have been kind of brought out into the open by the, the sort of man who embodied the holding group model in a way, I guess, really invented it mm. and had most to lose from, um, you know, that model failing, let's say, or, yeah. or, or perhaps... Yeah not succeeding in the way in which shareholders expect it to. Um, so his exit means that people are asking those questions. Um, mm. So one more thing I wanted to ask you, and that's really about Sir Martin's impact on the PR industry. I, I did a podcast 
with Paul Holmes yesterday. I don't know if you, you've listened to it yet, but we kind of realized, you know, he became this kind of accidental PR mogul. He he ended up <laughs> with a lot of PR agencies that that came with ad agencies he was trying to buy. Mm. Um, and so almost by accident, he became the, you know, the CEO of, of the largest collection of PR agencies in the world, at least until Omnicom overtook WPP's PR holdings in the last couple of years, I think it was. Um, but did you ever feel like he was that invested in the performance of his PR agencies? Um, because I always thought it was not exactly his comfort zone. Um, well, I think I would differentiate the public relations as a discipline from the sort of financial performance of the, sure. of the firms. Yeah. Um, I think he was always quite supportive of public relations as a discipline. I think, you know, he, he, he would quite often go, especially in the later years when I was there, um, not so much in the early days, but I think in the later days when he began to see the future being much more integrated, much more about content, about earned uh, coverage and media, these kinds of models starting to emerge. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think that I can't remember the exact figure, but some enormous proportion of, of, of WPP's revenues now come from what we used to call below-the-line agencies. I know people don't use that expression anymore, but <laughs> yeah. but that was, in other words, everything that wasn't classic advertising. Yeah. Um, and and I think Martin reflected that quite well in terms of the way he. I mean, he would come to the PR conferences. I remember him at the PRCA uh, one where Danny interviewed him, and you know mm. he, he was very open and he was very frank and he was very happy to mix in those cir circles and internally he would come and visit the agencies he would talk to the staff he was he was very open so I don't think we felt that he didn't value the discipline I mm. certainly never did um and as he um he, he also became much more adept at media relations himself he oh, had yeah. been rather not a recluse exactly but he did very little in the way of, of public relations, other than the sort of earning stuff, which you sort of have to do. Yeah. And he had a very good media advisor who, 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 he, was, who he listened to, and she worked really well with him. And he, he, I remember when he did his first interview in GQ, and it was treated like, you know, sort of, you know, amazing event. Mm. And he just, he just thrived on it. And he became very confident and a very adept media performer. And I think that helped, because he could see the power of the discipline in practice, you know, in his own, in his own leadership. Mm. In terms of the financial performance, no, I think it was viewed as a cash cow mature business. Right. You know, WBP has always been, from an investment perspective, a portfolio. Mm -hmm. That was Martin's, in a way, big, maybe it wasn't his original idea, but certainly that was the big idea behind the holding company model in terms of how you drive shareholder return, mm. was that you have these enormous quantity of investments and they are all at different stages of maturity. And you, you are running a portfolio. We, you know, I always used to think that WPP was more like, more like a hedge fund in some ways, the, the holding company, than, mm. than like a sort of creative shop. Um, and in that sense, I, don't, I think that was what the public relations agencies were. They mm. were very mature businesses. Um, and they were, you know, they, they were being squeezed for profit. Mm. Right. And that didn't mean he didn't value them. That he, I mean, he nearly loved that because that's throwing off that everything they throw off is is financing, uh, you know, debt and leverage to acquire in in digital spaces in the in the Asia in all the different things that that you know WP have done over the last ten years. The money's got to come from somewhere. Mm. But they were. So there's nothing wrong with that. They weren't seen as as vehicles in which to invest. 
Well, not. I mean, I'm generalising to make a point, and the current management teams might have a different view. So, I mean, I am, you know, with the caveat that my mm. my experience is is now sort of six six seven years out of date. But, but no, I mean, I I think that there was not a great deal of investment in. There was not much risk. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. There okay. was a very low appetite for risky investment. Okay. Um, I think that probably has changed a bit. Certainly, certainly, Hill and Alton, I think Richard Miller and Rich Jack have been quite innovative as far as I can see. Yeah. And, you know, there's, you would know that better than me. But but no, I think generally speaking, as a group of agencies, you know, it was all about, you know, you, you, it was about hitting your number. It was about selling mm. more. It was about winning more business. OK, and finally, um Following on from that comment, really, in terms of the PR agencies within WPP, how do you think people at those agencies are feeling this week? What would you say is the kind of, um, I guess, the attitude? What's the sort of tone of conversations? I mean, are they are they nervous? Uh, are they pro- you know proceeding like it's business as usual? What are they telling clients? Well, none of them have. Quite a few of them commented on my posts and blogs, so they're obviously following things. Mm. Um, I so I'm speculating, um, but I think what I can say is how would I have felt if it was me, you know? Mm. And I think um, they WP have issued a briefing letter, as you know. It's I yep. think you published it I to did. clients. Yeah. Um, so good scoop there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, which I'm sure I would, you know, I'm sure what they're doing as good public relations people always do is stick to the message. Don't mm. go off message. And I think that's right. You've got to be consistent and stable and calm and reassuring to clients. That's really, really important. This is the biggest risk that they're going to have in the next few months is that both their senior talent and their clients will have wobbles, mm. confidence wobbles. That is their mm. biggest risk. Um, and I think that's probably more of a, if I was running one of the agencies today, I would be much more worried about that than I would about a potential breakup. Mm. Of the, of the, because at the end of the day, if W decides they're going to break the business up, and they're going to sell my business, there's not probably not a huge amount I can do about it in reality. But the pressures that I'm going to feel every day from the fact my competitors are going to tap up my best talent. Uh, my best talent is looking around saying we don't know what the future holds, or we we don't. So getting clarity from WP on the internal messaging about keeping people at the tops of those agencies very clear, very confident that that business as usual is real. Mm. And keeping clients feeling like nothing's changed, everything is as it was before, that's going to be the priority. And that's hard. Mm. That's always hard. And it's hard if you've got people walking into your office. And I'm not saying they have, but I would be surprised if they haven't. You know, we had this, I remember you and I talking about this when there was a, the discussion about mergers around, uh, you know, um, Omnicom and who were they going to merge with? And then they didn't. Publicists. Publicists, that's right. Mm. I remember us having a conversation then and saying the phones must be ringing off the hook. Yeah. Um, now, you know, the boot's on the other foot now. But mm. I still think that's that's life. That's the business. It's a talent business. It always has been, always will be. And the top talent um, will be getting telephone calls and emails and WhatsApp messages. And the headhunters must all be jumping up and down excitedly. <laughs> Um, but in the end, if the clients hold firm, but it's tricky, isn't it? Because mm. they're in so interdependent. You know, if you see big, big talent, if you see big talents leave one agency, you know, as ever in, in the marketing services business and many others, they, they can, that can threaten client relationships. 
Yeah. And probably that's much more of a risk to WPP, that sense of uncertainty, than the absence of a CEO. Mm. Because other than in the biggest clients, you know, Martin wasn't seeing the clients on a daily basis. I mean, he was, I suspect, with the really big clients. Mm. But but for the for the BMs, for the Conan Wolves, for the Hill and Knowlton's, for you know, you didn't see client, you didn't see Martin your client relationship every day. Mm. So so the, 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 the issue is going to be about confidence keeping everybody calm and that's stressful so i feel for them i don't think it's not something i would personally have welcomed mm. unless i mean the only thing that would change that and i still i'm reluctant to believe it but if it turns out that something really bad did happen mm. you know, yeah then, there's then a maybe bounce. they'll be relieved yeah there's yeah. a bounce there's a bounce. new I manager mean, bounce maybe. you just don't know but that comes back to your question about will we ever find out Mm. I mean, I would be surprised if the senior team, uh, I mean, they may all know what happened. I would be surprised. Mm. I'm not I sure. I the lawyers would have it on lockdown personally, but, you know. Yeah, well, the, the suggestion is that it was, actually, now I, I remember it. The suggestion is that it was leaked by one of the non-execs. Um, mm -hmm. Now, whether that yeah. means, do you think the whole board knows? I don't know. That it's, it's, <sighs> Who knows? Yeah. I mean, in, these are, there are sort of governance rules about these things. Um mm. And, uh, you know, board chairs have to be very careful at times like this when these sorts of things happen that are when you're a quoted company. Mm. Not my area of expertise. In, uh, I mean, I, other than in general terms. Yeah, you, you made your escape. Co so. common, se <laughs> common sense would suggest that you keep it to as few people as possible. Yes. Indeed. I mean, you just it is a need to know thing. And that need to know might include the whole board. It might not include the whole board. I don't know. It would depend on the, the governance structure of the WV board. Um, mm. But what I can tell you is there'll be there'll be some a lot of lawyers involved in this at the moment, and and I would expect that. And I think that's probably actually a good thing mm. um, because you need to have confidence and certainty moving forward, and that's what those agency heads of the PR firms are, and, and and their teams are going to want. Are going to do want to know that things are not going to suddenly, you know, cannon off in off a cliff. That's the, that's the really scary prospect. Well, Sally, thank you so much for your time. So much to discuss around this story. Very interesting conversation. Um, and yeah, yeah, well timed. Yes, very well and timed. we'll see how it goes. And I'm, you know, I, I, I wish WPP all the very best. I genuinely do. You know, as I've said in my blog post, I'm a big fan of Martin's and of the group. And I, and it's, and it's, uh, and, and of course my alma mater I have enormous affection for. So I, I really think... I hope that this is going to turn out well. Um, I really do. Mm. Thank you very much, Sally. Thank you. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by March Communications, connecting innovation and people.